Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to the brilliant Bob Sally and the creative Christina Blanche about what comics they would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone who has supported my most recent Kickstarter for an oversized hardcover edition of the Milford Green Saga. With three days remaining, we're trying to reach our third and final stretch goal. So if you like the idea of Victorians in space, be sure to check it out on Kickstarter by going to www.tinyurl.com forward slash the Milford Green Saga. Or simply click the link in the show notes. Also, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Bob, Sally and Christina Blanche. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having us. It's going really well. Thank you. Oh yeah, it's a real Oh yeah, I'm I'm not bad. It's been it's been a pretty good day here actually. We've had probably the sunniest weekend that we've had in the United Kingdom this year. Yeah. It's been blue skies all the way through. Been absolutely beautiful. Uh went for a walk in a local wood with some bluebells in the forest and all all of that jazz. It was very nice. How about you guys? What have you been up to this this weekend? Well, here in the Northeast, it's raining today, but it was gorgeous yesterday. So I got out yeah. for a nice jog, uh, which I love to do. Um, and then today has just been spring cleaning and laundry and writing. Nice. Yeah. And Christina, how about you? Well, I'm in the Midwest and it's been rainy and snowy and awful. And today it's a pretty decent day. It's It's not warm by any means, but it's comfortable and it's not raining and i saw the sun um but just been working on house stuff nice yeah Yeah. pretty pretty down down to earth by the sounds of it really um (laughs) and (laughs) yeah so i was gardening all yesterday it was um yeah one of those backbreaking days but anyway all of that aside um it's a real pleasure to have you both on the podcast um because uh you're both uh the 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 co-writers of uh, a fairly new series called Broken Gargoyles. Um, But before we kind of get into a little bit of that, um, what do you both do in the world of comics? Christina? Oh, okay. I was waiting for you, Bob. Um, I I do a lot. Um, (laughs) I own a comic shop um, in Muncie, Indiana, um, Aya Comics. And so I, I run that. And we have live sale shows called What We Do in the Comic Shop, named after What We Do in the Shadows, because it's my favorite show. Um, And I write and edit and just started a new company with Garrett Gunn called Four Color Fiends. um, And we're doing special variants and co-writing. I wrote The Damnation of Charlie Wormwood, which is out in trade form from SourcePoint Press. And I write some for Aya Comics. I've done Tales from the Crypt, um, a couple other little things. And I'm co-writing Good Boy uh, with Garrett and, of course, 
Broken Gargoyles with Bob. Amazing. And you, Bob? So I'm, I am just the writer. Uh, no, I, I write, uh, so I started, I started writing, uh, salvagers, which is a blue collar sci-fi, um, garbage men in space type book. And I, I just, I had no idea that writing that was going to propel me into this world. Um, you know, I wrote it basically, you know, for myself, just being a writer and then, trying to understand like how things work in comics, um, you know, in a time where like there was no Facebook, um, you, you know, finding an artist wasn't as easy as it, as it is just going online. Um, and then when I finally got the script done and I met an artist through a friend, a mutual friend that, that I told that I was writing a comic book and then she went to her high school reunion and ran into George Acevedo, who she went to high school with, and he was telling her how he's an artist and that he was looking to do a comic book. Um, and then she got us together, and we we were working on it. We were doing you know conceptual art, and then uh, my my you know I, I had a daughter coming on the way, so I felt like I need to get this book done because I'm never going to do this again. Like this is going to be my one book. I'm going to do it. Uh, but once my daughter's born, I'm never going to have time for it. And I'm going to have to focus on, you know, being a dad and all that. Um, so that's kind of the story of how I got into this. And I loved it. I loved writing comics. Um, I wrote, po I wrote prose and I wrote poetry, but writing comics was just so much, it was so much more fun, I think is the word I would say, uh, maybe easy, not easy, but like more easy on not as uh, intense. I don't know if I'm saying the right words, Christina, but uh, it just seemed like it just flew better for me. Different and, ways. To uh, so then I just I got I got the fever, and I just kept wanting to find like figure out new stories to write, and uh, it's been a wild ride ever since. Fantastic! And as I mentioned before, you you're both uh, co-writers on uh, Broken Gargoyles, um, and I've been lucky enough to to read up to four issues <laughs> of it yeah. um, thank you so much it's absolutely fantastic now i don't want to do it dis a disservice so uh give it give us the premise bob so broken gargoyles is a story about uh so broken gargoyles let me just say broken gargoyles is a term that um soldiers actually gave themselves who were facially uh, facially mutilated through battle and when uh, when these people came home from war, it was, you know, the early 1920s and things were way different than they are now. And, um, you know, people didn't want to see this. Uh, I think people could handle, you know, a missing leg or a missing arm. Um, but seeing somebody's face, you know, half gone, uh, it was very uncomfortable for people. And these people, you know, these vets that came home, they lost their jobs uh, they lost their families a lot. They turned to alcoholism. A lot of them committed suicide. A lot and, of suicides. Yeah. And there was uh, a woman who was a sculptor. Uh -oh. oh, I think my screen just went dark. I thought I lost you. Uh, there was a woman who, who was a sculpturist and she made prosthetic faces for these people. And that allowed them to be able to go back into the world and, you know, cover up their scars so originally when I came, when I was, I was writing a, a one shot with 
David Hayes, and it was a uh, post-Civil War story. And I had this idea for a character who had lost half his face. And when I started researching it, I realized that that wasn't the time period for that. Uh, mm. And the time period for it was, you know, post-World War One. And a lot of these people, the you know, given the history of why this happened so much, was obviously it was trent, trench warfare. Uh, so a lot of times the only thing that you could shoot was the head. And they wore, you know, this was now they had helmets, uh, which they, you know, they never had before. And a lot of times when they would get shot in the helmet, the metal of the helmet would redirect the bullet. And that's how, you know, they, instead of going through the brain, it would sometimes redirect down and, um, it would, you know, it would, you know, blow off their face and researching all of this. I, I, I knew that there was a story there and I knew I wanted to find out more about it and researching it. It really made me feel for these people. Um, not so much, you know, not just the injury that they suffered, but how they had to live with it and how, uh, when they came home, um, you know, the way that they were received. And I wanted to, I wanted to write the story and me never being a vet before, I, I wanted to make sure that I did my homework and I, um, you know, made it something where other vets would read it and be able to, you know, feel for it as well and be able to um, appreciate it as much as, you know, we, as people that are not vets appreciate what they do for us. So um, I hope that I did that. I know that, you know, most of the feedback that we've gotten um, is, you know, positive feedback. So, you know, it's just, I want to make sure that in this story that I'm doing um, a service to them as well. But uh, the story itself is, it follows two main characters that, um, you know, were badly scarred in the war and they both are home now. And one is looking to for redemption on you know the things he's done and he's you know he wants to do right by his family and he you know he wants to get himself back on his feet and the other one more looks at uh the world as you know things that he, that not revenge but he wants to stop the machine he wants to stop these things from happening and um not to give too much away but both men were, uh, they were both men in arms, they, they were brother in arms during the war, and now they are both on separate paths that are actually um, heading right toward each other. Yeah, and you've done a, you've done a fantastic job, um, both of you. And Christina, where, where, where do you come in to, into this story as well? Because, um, Bob, did you come up with this idea first and then get Christina involved, or how did it work, Christina? It was it was all Bob. Bob came up with the story and the first three issues are all Bob. And um, it came along at a really great time uh, when Bob called me. I also teach and I was running my shop and I was writing and I was teaching full time and I was worn out. I was so stressed. Something had to give. So I was making this decision. I don't even know if Bob knows what a big deal this was. Um, I was trying to make this decision on, okay, am I going to teach and give up the comic stuff or am I going to do the comic stuff and give up the teaching? So I was like, okay, I'm going to be very practical. I'm just going to do the teaching. And then I was pretty much going to go that direction. And then one morning Bob called me and said, hey, um, would you uh, want to co-write Broken Gargoyles with me? Which I loved that series so much. 
And right at that moment, I went, yep. And that was my decision right there. I decided Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, Because I have nothing but mad respect for Bob. I think he's an incredible person and writer. And uh, he just does so much uh, for comics, I believe. Um, And then for him to ask me to to co-write this awesome book, I was, I was one, I was like totally stoked that he would want to work with me. And two, it was just, it came at that time when I was like just teetering on the edge of making this decision and that made the decision for me. So, um, so he brought me in on this, uh, this, this fourth, it's the fourth issue, but it's the first of sin and virtue. Um, I, I have, I've loved it and I love uh, co-writing with him because I think we do, I'm not going to speak for you, Bob, but I think we do a really good job in um, making, keep keeping each other from going too far in certain areas. Cause sometimes I'm like, let's do this. And he's like, <laughs> well, how about if we do this? And then sometimes he's like, well, we'll do this. And I'm like, let's not kill that person, you know, or let's kill that person. You know, <laughs> we had a, we had a phone conversation uh, when we were, when we were like getting ready to start outlining the book and um, it was like, I think we talked for like almost two hours mm-hmm. and I don't like talking on the phone at all. Yeah. You know, I don't like my mom, when my mom calls me, I hang up on her and I'm like, who's dead? Just tell me who's <laughs> dead. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, it was magical. Like it was just a, uh, you know, talk going back and forth with it. So just to give history, like um, with with Sin and Virtue, there's three main women characters that are strong female characters. And I knew at that point, I'm like, I want to bring on somebody who I respect and who I think is a strong female character herself. Um, I had read uh, The Damnation of Charlie Wormwood. I think I was like in Toronto and we were at a convention and it was so slow. Um, so as what we do when we're at conventions that are slow, we pick up a comic that's on our table and we start reading it. And I loved it. And it was when I started thinking about bringing Christina on to help me write it, it was just a no brainer because again, I'm bringing on a strong female character to help me make these strong female characters authentic. Um, but also, uh, reading Damnation of Charlie Wormwood it was like, this is what I want for Sin and Virtue. Like, I want it to, I want the book to have that. Um, and I keep going back to um, John Steinbeck, uh, Grapes of Wrath, uh, where it's just dour, you know, like it's, it's, it's not, it's dark, but it's like, you can just feel the heaviness of the times. And Charlie Wormwood was like that. You know, when I was reading that, like, it wasn't so much in your face that it was dark, but it was just like, it was heavy. Like when you're reading it, you felt like I'm carrying all this stuff with me now. And uh, so I wanted that, you know, and I knew that Christina would just, I wouldn't even have to tell her to do it. Um, you know, she would just be like, that's what it was. And um, so, yeah, so that's one of the main reasons why at the time I was like, I know that for me to write this myself, I need somebody else to come along so it can make it more authentic and give it what I wanted to do. And she was, uh, she was the only choice. Oh yeah. There was, there was nobody <laughs> else. 
Beautiful. Um, and so, um, when is the next issue of Broken Gargoyles coming out? So it should be, Christina, you probably actually know better than I do. It should be hitting <laughs> shelves April, May, June, end of June. Yeah, it's it's the end of, I think it's the last Wednesday of June. Yeah, um, yeah it was just in previews, this, this last previews issue, yep. um, this catalog. And so hopefully tons of people ordered it. And if not, then they missed out because it's so good. Like I read it, the the PDF, and I was like, "This is such a good book." Thank you. Yeah. And the the first volume, the first three issues are actually um, they're collected now in a trade, uh, Broken Gargles of Wrath. And um, not only can you order it at comic shops, but you can also order it at any bookstore Uh, now Mm -hmm. that Source Point Press is distributed in partnership with uh, um, Simon & Schuster. So uh, if, you know, I I believe that's worldwide. Um, So, yeah. So if anybody's listening and they want to check out Broken Gargoyles, um, the volume one of Wrath, you can go to any comic shop and order it, or you can go to any bookstore and order it. Which I I would recommend uh, because one, it's such a great story, but um, if you can get it, great. If you can't, we did put a little like this kind of like the story so far, which is the basics and at the beginning of um, Sin and Virtue number one. But I would it's that's like really just like the bare bones. It, I, I would recommend everyone getting the first trade if you can't get the individual issues, the first trade and and read it because it's such an outstanding story. Amazing. You did and such a good job, my, Bob. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's very much so. And my, my uh, last question in regards to Broken Gargoyles, before we get into, into the meat of the podcast, um, is uh, how many issues have you, have you got planned for this series? So it's a nine-issue nine storyline um, broken into three different acts, if you will, or three different volumes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Each one, each volume follows the next one, but each volume is kind of its own story in the in the process of getting to the end. If that makes any sense, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I well, see. You know, that. It's like in comic books, uh, you know, and, and Christina like will tell you like having a number one is so important. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I did Salvagers, like. Salvagers is a 12 issue series and I just kept going on with, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And, uh, you know, and it did well, like I did it, I self published it. So I did really well on Kickstarter. Um, but as comics go, like when you're distributing them through diamond, uh, through previews world, you know, you, if you do 2000 of issue one, then, you know, usually what you're going to have is a thousand of issue two. And then what you're going to have is about, you know, 750 of issue three and so on and so forth as the math dwindles down. Um, But the way that the story was like, we all kind of agreed that, you know, this is a new story and the first volume had an ending and now this is a new beginning. So it is kind of an issue one, but it's an issue four, (laughs) (laughs) but it is an issue one. It's, it's, it is, you know, progressing uh, down the uh, track of one through nine. But uh, yeah, so my, the, when I outlined this whole series, um, I, I outlined it with nine issues to, uh, to tell the story. 
Nice. Excellent. Um, now, um, all of that amazing uh, story uh, put to the side, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I've, I've got some bad news for you both, and that is that there's been a zombie outbreak, unfortunately. What? When's um, the bad news? Ra- raging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the next question, right? Um, but uh, my, my question for you is, what is your action plan for survival? I'll let you go first, Christina. Okay, so at my comic shop, we have a basement. So <laughs> we'll just go. We're going to get, we'll, we'll loot. I know that's a terrible thing, but we'll loot. My son has an entire collection of katanas. I used to have a crossbow, but I don't have that anymore. Um, and we're just going to all get there. And we'll hole up and have food. We'll have tons to read and just protect our little space until, you know, they can't get in. So until everybody else, uh, until the military comes in and takes care of it, maybe. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Hunker down. (laughs) Although we do have um, a plan that (laughs) my kids and I actually did come up with this, that if any of us do get infected, we, we're not just going to shoot the person. We're going to actually just send them out to kill as many zombies as we can until, you know, we start yeah. to turn and then they kill us. So, That's so fast cool. you never see that. That's actually No, we're going to yeah. use it. Yeah, you know. I like that. Let's <laughs> go out there and kill yeah. them right before you turn. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. They have, but they have to get rid of me at that point. So, because I don't want to turn it. I don't want to be a zombie so they can they have to get rid of me but use me first (laughs) absolutely and for you bob what's your plan i mean i always thought the smartest thing to do is go find a small island you know so uh, i'm 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 here in boston so i'm gonna try to get to nantucket you know martha's vineyard just hang out i don't think that the zombies can swim um you know, I feel like that there was one of the one of the uh, of the dead movies was uh, the ending of it. They made it to an island, and then mm. when they got to the dock, they realized that the island was infected with uh, zombies. But I mean, I, I feel like that's got to be the answer. You know, you go to go to an island, and the, there can't be like that many of them on there. So that's what I'm yeah, doing. Clear you know. yeah, yeah, clear the island. Yeah, clear the island. You got grocery stores. Eat fish. You're totally Last sorted. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. One thing I would say, you, you're going to have to patrol the coastline just because I remember in Fear the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. kind of like the spin-off, there were like floating zombies in the oh. sea when they were on the boats. So even though the zombies can't swim, they'll float and then oh, kind yeah. of one will want to wash up and then could infect one person and then it sets that chain reaction so you just got to be careful with that it's a it's a brilliant plan bob don't get me wrong it is okay. <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> but just be, yeah you just, just gotta be just, just gotta do your perimeter check. exactly exactly we don't have any islands here in the midwest so you know that's that's not quite an option you gotta go to the ozark <laughs> exactly build a little boat island nice yeah um, excellent. So um, now that you're you're both in your respective uh, safe places um, with kind of the the people that you're with, the uh, the conversation of comics comes up. 
And uh, those people ask you, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? The first comic I ever read was, and I don't know exactly which number it is, which is weird because I, I feel like I always knew it, but uh, it's the very first X-Men in the Inferno mega series. Um, when the Marauder, like the, I can even see the covers. It's, it's, it's got Mr. Sinister, the Marauders are uh, on it. And um, I read that. And at the time, I think like, like I was younger. So like I would read, you know, one shots or you'd get a graphic novel. So this was like the one thing where I read it and I knew I'm like, I need to get the next one. And the, you know, the guy was like, well, they come out every week. And then, so my mom would take me to the comic shop every week. And with that series, it was like, you know, I never knew what a mega, like a a mega series where it's like, it expands the entire Marvel universe so I went from like getting one X-Men comic a week to then realizing like this is also in the New Mutants. This is also in Excalibur. Like it's happening all over. So then like, you know, there'd be weeks I'd be coming home with like six, seven comic books um, following this whole big, you know, event that happened. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, that comic got me hooked into the whole uh, thing of comics where you buy them and like you're excited about new comic book day so that'd be it for me <laughs> excellent and christina mine's a much more weird answer which is pretty normal for me um when i was little my parents had this little bookshelf well it was a big bookshelf with these books on it and i thought that was where the special books were it ends up they were just the oversized books it wouldn't fit on a regular bookshelf Um, But there is a Prince Valiant collection in there, and I was obsessed with that, and I would carry it around, and I would read it. I didn't understand most of it, um, but I just thought it was brilliant. Um, I just loved it. And so that's the first comic that I remember reading. And then after Star Wars came out, because I'm old, um, I was obsessed with anything that was, uh, you know, space adventures um, fantasy, science fiction, anything like that. And so that's when I kind of started, you know, reading any comic that I could get my hands on. You know, Star Wars comics, of course, I read. Um, you know, the big oversized treasuries and the regular, everything. I just read everything. Um, and then, you know, got my Starlog magazines. Uh, so um, that just kind of is what started that out for me. And then a friend of mine, her dad owned a comic shop. And um, that's where I would get my comics. And then one day I was in there by myself and I didn't realize that he was a super creep. Um, And some very, uh, um, I don't know how to say it, things that shouldn't have happened, happened. And so I never went back there again. And I kind of shied away from comics after that. And then when my son was learning to read, I started teaching him, I know this is terrible, with Spider-Man and Deadpool comics. And that's, then we just kind of got back into them. And then I started, I found a local comic shop that, where it wasn't, you know, a pervert didn't run it. And uh, so that was good. And I just kind of got back into it. Then I started using them. And when I taught uh, my college courses and ended up doing my dissertation on comic scholars, and there I am. Amazing. And that, that's that's awful that you had to go through something <laughs> like that 
He's like, as an introduction to comics, it's like, it that's was just awful. When I was, yeah. when I was in there with his daughter, it was great, you know. Yeah. But, um, went in there by myself once, and that was, I guess, my mistake. And then he was a creep, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, good. If there are any creeps out there, stop listening and go away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, um, thankfully, most people in comics are not creeps. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, no, that's... Uh, that's really uh yeah terrible but um yeah that's uh, it's 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 great that you managed to get back into it yeah. <laughs> so. meant to be yeah exactly exactly uh, now changing gears very abruptly uh, the next question that comes up is what's the funniest comic that you've read and let's start off with you christina um the the first one that comes to mind when you say that is Sex Criminals Number One, um, by Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction, and when they start talking about, I'm trying to keep it PG, different positions. <laughs> yeah. I was in tears. I ju- I was. This is my first introduction, I think, to anything Zdarsky had done. And I was um, I was friends with Matt Fraction, and I said something to him. He goes, Oh, that that was all Chip. I mean, I was in tears reading that. I was like, this is, this is crazy. Um, so the first one that comes to mind is, is absolutely that, that, that first issue of Sex Criminals. I, I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, and that is, that is not the first time that Sex Criminals has is, is appeared um, in, in this particular question. Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a large running theme of it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Fantastic. And, and uh, for you, Bob, uh, you, you couldn't really think of anything. Well, yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was having trouble, but um, I would have to say Rat Queens. Um, the yeah. opening, like, was just amazing. Like, I didn't really know what I was expecting with it, um, but I kind of knew, like, what it was. But then when I started mm-hmm. reading it in the opening, I was like, I didn't expect that. You know, like, it was yeah. so, you know, it was... Uh, it was very entertaining, and um, and speaking of Rat Queens, SourcePoint Press's sister company, uh, Deepwater Games, just uh, they just unveiled a uh, Rat Queens board game. Board game, it's going to yeah. be awesome! Really? Yeah, wow, very cool. I have to check that out. Interesting. Well, if you're um, into board games, uh, uh, Oxide Media, I think, is like the umbrella company of SourcePoint Press, yes. N3, and Deepwater Games. And Deepwater Games is doing a, they're doing a lot of awesome stuff. Um, and then in tying all of that stuff together, uh, you know, there's uh, Gloomhaven is, you know, if you know of Gloomhaven, which is kind of like that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type games thing, uh, SourcePoint Press is actually doing uh, Gloomhaven comic books. So it's, you know, trying to you know, get a, a smart way of getting different um, fan bases into different uh, mediums. So, yeah, nice. just like they, they just did the um, claim. Yeah, um, it was based on a claim. It was a four issue miniseries in comics and it was based on the card game claim. Yeah. And it is um, it's so much fun. And so then people can come in and they get the comic and you're like, Hey, here's the game. Or they like the game. And you're like, Hey, here's the comic. So it's really a, it's really a brilliant marketing strategy. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Uh, now, um, we're going to change gears once again. Um, and the next question that comes up in uh, both of your zombie outbreak safe places is what's the saddest comic that you've read? So for me, I have this big book and it is the it's the Will Eisner New York collection. Um, and I'm, I, I can't really pick any one out of there, but it was for me, Will Eisner, like his work is he's just got this way of really hitting you in the feels. Um, and he does it like when you don't even know it's about to happen. So mm-hmm. I keep it by my bedside table because I feel like when I read that, it helps me in my own comic book writing to really be able to, you know, put your, put your finger on like the, you know, the sensitive pulse of your reader. Uh, so again, I can't say any, any, which one is the saddest I've read, but I think like out of all the comic books I've read, Will Eisner's stuff is the saddest. Really pulls at your heartstrings. And yeah, um, it's, it's great to kind of, yeah, go back to that stuff and, try and mix it in with your own creations as well. Like be inspired. Nina? I mean, oh, okay. um, but yeah, Christina, go ahead. Okay. This one, I, I had so many answers for this. Um, yeah. <laughs> we three is heartbreaking um, by Grant Morrison. The pride of Baghdad. I read mm-hmm. that on a, on an airplane and I was like, weeping openly <laughs> no you told me it was this sad and I'm like crying so so hard um obviously I, well not obviously but um issue 100 of Walking Dead took me a couple days to get over that one mm-hmm. uh, but I think probably like the one that made me like feel sad and happy at the same time um it was Saga issue 14 and have either of you read Saga, Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples? I sadly um, I have not. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm yet to get into it. Same. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Well, there's a character called Lion Cat that if you say something that's not true, yeah. he'll say lying. You know, I like to say it's lying, but I don't know mm. because you know it's comics. So that's however I want. That's the great thing about comics. It can be whatever you want. Um, but there's a little girl that was captive on a planet and. It was like a, a planet where people, she was like rented out to people. It was not, not a good situation. And there's a scene where she's sitting there talking to Lion Cat and telling him about her and that, you know, what her name is. And she's Sophie and she's six and a half and what she wants to do with her life. And then she says that she is dirty on the inside because she did bad things with, and before she can even finish, Lion Cat just says lying. And then she, the next panel is just them hugging. I cried so hard at that panel. And I actually, I printed it out and, and I had it up on the wall for a while because it's so, it's just so moving that that's probably even more than Pride of Baghdad. And again, Brian K. Vaughn, he makes me cry, I guess. Um, but he, it, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing panel. It's an amazing page. So well, now I'm going to read it. It's so good. It makes me so mad at Brian K. Vaughn because he's so good. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah. Um, it's incredible when uh, when somebody's able to do that, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, uh, going along the lines of powerful emotions, uh, what's the scariest comic that you've read? Christina, I'll let you go. Um, for me, um, because just because it was so creepy, um, Harrow County, um, Colin Bunn, uh, and Tyler, um, shoot, I can't remember his last name. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. I want to say stocks, but I know it's not. That's one of my customers. Um, <laughs> so hi, Tyler. Um, uh, it's, hang on, I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, anyway, it's just from the first page alone. It's super creepy. Um, uh, Tyler Crook. I was close. Um, mm-hmm. That is super creepy. But then also, uh, I love creepy stuff. Um, but Nailbiter by Josh Williamson. I almost didn't read it because the front cover was so gross. And I'm so glad I did because it was spectacular. But it's um, it's it's creepy in a different way. But I think the scariest was probably Harrow County because I just didn't know what they were going to do around each corner. That's awesome. And and uh, what's the premise of that? Sorry, if you don't mind asking, Christina. Of of, of Hero one? County. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I've got a. I've got a. Um, so. Um, I don't know if you've probably seen the the opening um, picture, but it's a, a like a hand, but it's just the skin like crawling out of this this box. But basically, it's a girl that there's like she lives in this little little town, and she's got a lot of woods all around her, and she knows that there's monsters and ghosts and everything. But when she turns eighteen, she learns that she's actually connected to all of those creatures. Um, and it's, so everybody's been lying to her about this the whole time. And then when she turns 18, a bunch of people then want to kill her because of certain things that they know she will do. And it, I don't want to give too much away, but it is creepy and disturbing and wonderful. (laughs) amazing <laughs> yeah um that's uh if any if you're into that sort of thing folks go check that out for sure oh here uh, it's, ha- yeah it's so good <laughs> excellent and how about for you bob um so the reason i said pass on this one was i just i'm i was never really into the horror stories but um i guess like lock and key um oh, reading so those kind of like i feel like it's like more like gave me anxiety Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I I think um, Joe Hill has a really gift of that where like his father could scare the shit out of you. But Joe (laughs) has this like, um, I can't, there was a book I read and I cannot think of the name of it. It's sitting over there. It's, um, it was like the fire. um, Anyway, uh, I read that. And again, it was, it's almost like something wicked this way comes where it's just like this, build up of like you know you know something bad's gonna happen and you're just waiting for it and you can kind of see it coming um so i think in in terms of horror it was more the anxiety of like the horror but uh i really did i I liked his work um uh and i i would read lock and key just because i of him like i just knew like getting into it i knew it was going to be a good story and i liked where it was going 
that series is so good. Uh, that's in my top three favorite series. Yeah, I, I just it's my daughter and I actually read it. She was probably too young to read it, but you know, I showed her Shaun of the Dead when she was five, so she's okay. Um, and I, <laughs> I was talking, I was talking to Joe Hill about that book, and I told him that, and he cracked up. He was just like, oh, "Okay," and um, he actually he said that he wrote that when he was going through his divorce as kind of like a therapy thing. And I was like, "Can you get divorced mm-hmm. again then?" Because I would like more. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't. Want to I can that say that now about broken gargoyles. I guess. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh wow. Now, well, been, uh, me. Wrote, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go go on, Christina. Well, I was just going to say, um, when I wrote Charlie Wormwood, it was um, I taught in prison for almost eight years, and there's a lot of crazy things that happened in there that messed with my mind a little bit, and so that was kind of like therapy for me. Um, there's certain things I couldn't do to get to, you know, out of a situation in real life, but I could in the book. And so it was kind of like a therapeutic way to work through a lot of that stuff. Definitely. And I mean, there's, there's a big place for kind of creative therapy, isn't there? <laughs> and if, if you can turn it into something that, you know, other people can enjoy and get something from as well, then I think it's all, all more power to you. Uh, now, uh, moving on to my favorite question, and that is, uh, what is your favorite cover? My favorite cover, and I don't know why it is, it's, uh, but it's, I know I wrote down Spider-Man 300 because Todd McFarlane, but I've had time to think about it. And my, my favorite cover is the Daredevil, uh, mm-hmm. where he's, you know, he's uh, on the cross, like hugging the oh, cross. No. And I don't know which I don't know which episode it is or which uh, issue it is, but um, I just there's a comic shop that I go to and they have it like enlarged and framed, and it's every time I go in and I look at it like it's it inspires me to just take your hero and beat the shit out of him, Uh, (laughs) so he has to like figure out how to step it up. That's such a great answer, Bob. Thank you. The I can't the one the X Men with Wolverine, um, that's the purple one with the 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 cross the X. Oh yeah, that's I a really love good one. that one. Just and mostly now because it's like I loved it before, but then after Logan, I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I love this cover so much. I changed my answer to hers. <laughs> that's actually a really awesome cover too. But again, same same you know thought it's the same though thing. Is, yeah. you know to take your hero and just demolish him. Uh, to the point where, you know, he's either going to give up or he's going to step it up. Yeah. Which I don't, we're not going to talk about it or share it, but when issue three comes out of Sin and Virtue, that was, Mm. that's one of the reasons we, I, I asked Frank Velli to do what he did. uh, (laughs) Because I wanted that, you know, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's, it's probably my, my favorite cover that he that he did. I mean, we, he only did three, but I love it so much, and I cannot wait. It's the one thing I usually am somebody that shares everything, and I have not shared that yet. On you know, media. I, I realize that now. Yeah, because I have Bob not shared that cover things. yet. Bob's got everything out there, but not. And this I one. do. I I oh, I'm yeah. constant. Like I share things that I'm not even allowed to share, and then <laughs> I just ask for forgiveness. 
But this one, I'm like, I'm holding to the vest. I, I'm, and we even asked them. We said, like, please don't share these because I cannot wait till it's in previews and we can smack everybody in the face with this cover, you know, it's so it's available to order. It's like seriously so. That's amazing. Good. All, All three right. covers are great. Yeah. Um, I love that one. I also love the, the, the first one. I love the cover. Yeah. Oh, the first one's just Number one. And the, 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 the thing with the first one was, which was amazing to work whenever you're working with like an, a, like a professional, um, you know, we didn't really even tell him what we wanted and he just gave mm-hmm. us like this gold piece. Uh, but th- there was a city like uh, underneath. So of course, you know, like I said, Christine, I'm like, Hey, like, I'm like, I don't want to talk to him because he doesn't <laughs> know me. He's going to be like, you know, get out of here. Like, you don't tell me what to do. But I was like, you know, we're not in the city. We're in like, we're, we're in like rural. Ones. Like, we're, we need a we need a barn. And like within like an hour, he sent it yeah. back, and the city and was, was gone. There was a barn on fire with a silo, and you're just like, that's just that's amazing. He's he's perfect. He is. Yeah. He is. I, I, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I was just looking it up. By the way, um, you can get you can pre-order. Broken Gargoyles, the first volume on Amazon in the UK. Um, you oh, can nice. pre-order it because it will nice. be um, released here on on May twenty sixth. The so, first, uh, the first volume of Wrath. Yeah, the first volume. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, folks, get on get on Amazon and pre-order and whatnot. Or if you can get it through your local comic book shop, do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. If you can't find a local comic shop, ask me because I'm gonna have plenty. Exactly. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and for you, Comics Christina. And Muncie is going to be the oh. premier comic shop for uh, the UK. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and for you, Christina, uh, what's, what's your favorite cover? This is really a hard question. Like, it's really a mm, hard question because, like, even people make fun of me on, I do a sales show like 19,000 times a week. And I'm always like, oh, my gosh, I love this cover. Oh, my gosh, I love this cover. And they're like, you love everything. I'm like, well, not everything, but I love covers. And I, you know, if Brian Ballin does a cover, I'm like, love it. If Walt Simonson does a cover, I love it, you know. Um, But probably for me would be uh, Swamp Thing, um, number 34, the one with Swamp Thing and Abby, where they're they're hugging on the cover. Um, Because I love Swamp Thing. He's my favorite uh, DC character and I love Abby and I want to be her. Uh, so I, that whenever I see that cover, it, it just fills me with warmth and I, I, I smile. I love it. I just love that cover. It's just, it's a great cover, but that's also my favorite book. So, you know, one of my <laughs> top three. Double trouble. Um, no, it's, it is, it's a really tough question. But uh, <clears throat> when you do have a connection to, to a front cover, and even more so to, in, to the book itself, it's, mm-hmm. it makes it extra special, doesn't it? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, now, moving on to another of my favorite questions, and that is, what is the most meaningful comic to you? For me, my most meaningful comic was Salvager's number one. Um, for so many different reasons, uh, but yeah. it was the it's the first comic that I did. It's every time I look at it, it's like um, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So 
and you know, and you can just see all the flaws in it, but you just get past it. You know, like there's, yeah, like you just love it. Like it's it's this thing that you did, you created, and you didn't know what you were doing, and it worked. Like somehow it worked. Um, you know, and and it worked without even really knowing what I was doing. Uh, the the one thing I will say is that uh, I had my artist do the lettering for it, and he did not know how to letter. So, and he even said to me, he's like, you know, you might want to get like a comic book letter to do it. And I was like, well, you can do it. Cause again, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know the components of like, there was a time that, um, a colorist sent me an image of, you know, the page that they were in the process of coloring. And he said that it's a whip and I didn't know what WIP meant at the time. And I'm looking at this page and I'm like, oh my God, like this looks horrible. And to find, and I, and I said, I was like, you know, this, I can't like, this is, this is really, this is not like your normal work. And he's like, this is just the flattened page. So like, I mean, <laughs> I had like, I was like, I had a crash course in creating comics, but um, you know, that was for me, it's uh, it's definitely my first issue of salvagers. And I, I have, normally I don't keep a lot of my own comics. I like to give them away, but uh, the, f- the first four issues of my salvagers comic book series, I have the original comics that I actually had pub- I self published uh, under my dirty planet um, LLC. And it even had the pub box on it, dirty planet. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, those, those mean the world to me. You know, my mom has all four of those too. And it's just, you know, it's it's that thing that when you look back in life and you look at those and you just think like you had a choice of whether to do it or not to do it. And the the choice of doing it changed your world forever. And you are now who you are and you are now doing what you're doing because of that choice. So. That's awesome, man. I um, mean, yeah, I know it's great to kind of have that foundation of of what you've been able to accomplish um through <clears throat> through comics so um congratulations bob that's fantastic um and for you christina i would say oh i know everybody's going to think all i read is brian k vaughn um <laughs> but um probably you do like brian k vaughn a lot when you introduced me to him at baltimore <laughs> I, I i almost was a little jealous of the sparkle in your eye for him over me well <laughs> It's a different sparkle. It's, um, it's a different eye. It's the left yeah, eye, not the right eye. It's the left eye. He, got the, he well, has the left eye the right. He's, he's, he's all right. He'll make it someday. Um, so, but I would say it's probably Why the Last Man, because um, it's, the, it's the book that kind of got me on the path that I'm on today in a, in a way. So when I was teaching anthropology at Ball State, um, I was trying to find a way to like get the kids to actually read books, you know, instead of like saying, Hey, you know, let's open your books to page 30 and they would creak open cause they've never opened them before. Um, so I was like, okay, what can I do? And I was writing um, a lecture on culture change and how, you know, certain things can change culture. At the same time, I was reading why the last man, which if you don't know why the last man, every male on the planet, Every male, everything, species, um, dies in one instant, except for one man and his monkey. Um, And so 
it's basically is a, a whole lesson in culture change. You know, it's, it's going to change. You don't have any more men on the planet. What do you call a manhole? Do you still call it a manhole? You know, how do you figure out who your family is? You know, it's like, how, you know, how are we going to trace things and how, who's going to do this work? Who's going to do that work? It just, it's a whole lesson in that. So I started, I used, I snuck it in. I didn't tell the university. Um, I started using it in my class to teach it and they had to read it and then write about how, you know, what we're learning and that merged them together into a lesson. And it was fantastic. Um, and that's kind of what got me started using comics in the classroom. And then I expanded it from there because it was really easy to put in, you know, a mouse or, you know, something like that, that everybody, people had used, not everybody, but people had used mm-hmm. before. Um, but I kind of wanted to put the, the other comics, you know, that weren't supposed to be the educational ones um, in. So I would say that is why, 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 oh, I just said why, why. That is why, why The Last Man is, is, is so, that means so much to me. That's amazing. And it's, it's great to hear that there are um, teachers like yourself that are putting those out there to students to learn lessons from. Because I think we're we're still in a place where perhaps the majority of people still think that, you know, comics, uh, all comics are just for kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They do. They're not sure. Um, They they just don't know what to think of them. But Mm. all the other instructors were like, really, you know, on me about it. And they were like, we're going to be watching you. And I'm like, okay. Um, My class is cool. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> my class is full. How's yours? You know? Um, and the students would actually come early to talk about things and they would stay after. One time I like walked past some students of mine at like 20 minutes after class sitting outside talking about the kinship patterns of why the last man. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. Um, and I kind of called it the, the geek and Greek theory that it, it, the geeks already knew it. You know, the Greeks were like, oh, a comic book. But they loved it, so it gave them like this thing in common to talk about. And so you would see instead of these little, you know, pods of people, it's like everybody merged, and it was just really nice to see that. So it was it was good. That's amazing, and well, hopefully that trend kind of continues, and more and more people become aware about the power of comics. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Uh, now, um, moving on to our next question. Um, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Not any Brian K. Vaughan because they're all highly rated. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want to go first, Bob, or you want me to? Um, I'm sorry. I have to go back and I forgot my, <laughs> I forgot my answer. Oh, Fear Agent. Um, yeah, so Fear Agent, I loved Fear Agent, and I feel like oh, in my travels by Rick Remender and uh, Tony Moore, Tony Moore, yeah, uh, who Tony Moore, both of those guys, I got to meet in Boston, and it was when I was self published, and I had this my own six by six table, and it had it looked so horrible because it had two books on it, and uh, I made posters to give away, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was giving my book away on Sunday, like after three, anybody that walked by, I would just give it to them. But uh, I made the point to go over and talk to both Rick Remender and Tony Moore. And uh, Tony Moore was great. Like he's, he was, uh, 
think he was promoting his Cincinnati show. So, yeah. and, and for me, like I was brand new to this and, you know, you're thinking like, I'm going to go over and say hi and they're going to say hi and then that's going to be it. And Tony Moore was talking my head off and uh, it really made you feel like where you were kind of like, I'm a, and I, of course I gave them, you know, both the issues of my comics, which, you know, probably didn't read, but uh, it just made you really feel like you were a part of um, the industry. And especially at such an early point in my career where I was, you know, self-publishing and trying to figure out how to get a letter. Um, but the book's just awesome. Like it's, uh, I, I want to say it's four volumes long, maybe even five volumes long. I think it, it's four or five. Maybe I think it's five. Right. And then, so it ends, I don't, you know, I'm not going to give it away. You should, if you haven't read Fear Agent, highly recommend going out and reading it. I believe that they're making either Netflix or Amazon or something. Yeah, they're going to make them. They're going to make a show out of it, uh, yeah. which is way overdue. But the ending of it was amazing, and the way Rick Remender ended it broke my heart. It was a. It was the perfect ending. It's exactly how it should have ended, but it broke my heart because it was the first indie, like you know, independent image uh, or Dark Horse. Might have been Dark Horse. Uh, yes. Then I read that it ended, and I was just like, "Why would you end this?" And uh, and I, I I got to talk to Rick Remender again, and I told him I was like, "I mean, I, at this point, I know why you end things. It's like I end it because I don't want to go do another thing." But I told him I was like, "It's the first series that I ever read where I was upset that it was end like that it ended, and that I just wanted to keep following this guy Heath Houston and." Uh, He's he's like the first, you know, anti-hero that I just fell in love with, you know, and uh, it was awesome. But again, I find that more and more people have not read Fear Agent, um, and it's an amazing uh, sci-fi adventure. It's 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 awesome. I agree. It's a great book. And yeah, that's that's being being added to my uh, read list as we speak. So I'm on it. I'm on it, Bob. Don't worry. There you go. <laughs> You're going to have hours of entertainment. Yeah, Thank you. you. Excellent. Uh, and for you, Christina. I'm going to go with a more recent book that I think is underrated. And I'm not, I know people won't like this, but I'm not a huge Superman fan. Um, I'm just like, okay, he's more powerful than everybody. Whoop. You know, but the Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen that just came that just came out. You know, it was like a year ago. Uh, Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. It's so good. It's just it's it shouldn't be good. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like all the old Jimmy Olsons where he's like, "Watch this sad movie, Superman, so I can collect your tears," or you know, "I'm super Jimmy Olsen." And I, with Lex Luthor and I'm doing this, but it's, it's so different. It's um, everything is like at that time was like, it's like grim and dark. And um, this is Jimmy Olsen's just, he, he's awesome. And, and it's, it's basically who killed Jimmy Olsen and it's him trying to figure out who's going to kill him. And he has to, you know, go into the, into these, these, he goes undercover to solve these crimes and he has a podcast and, you know, there's a whole like, you know, should Robin die or not thing, you know, which is a little jab at, 
you know, when they did that, but yeah. it's just so much fun. And it's, it's written it by just, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is not, no, it's my fraction. Also sex criminals. Um, but, uh, I just, I think we, I couldn't sell it. People were just like, oh, I don't like Jimmy Olsen. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just, just trust me on this one. You know? So the few people that listened to me were very happy, but it, it's just, it, it was a hard sell, but oh my gosh, it's so good. It's just really funny. And it, it's just, I, I, I really liked it. I also thought the uh, Lois Lane by Rucka and Mike Perkins was also underrated that just came out. Um, and again, I'm not huge, huge on that whole universe, but they were really good. Well, I, I like that. One of the things I like in comic books is when you you get an amazing writer and either DC or Marvel like throws garbage at them, like, here, do it. Take this. Nobody reads this anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that, you know, Matt Fraction and Jimmy Olsen's like a, a, an obscure character, but Jimmy Olsen's always like a side character. Yeah. Like he's never a main character. So to see like, you know, you have this talent, like you have the talent to take something so minute and make it like an amazing story. I always think of Jeff Loeb where like when he started, nobody knew anything about, like they knew he was a good writer and everything, but they were like, you know, here, the, we'll give you challengers of the unknown. And then he ends up making like a New York Times bestseller uh, graphic novel out of it. Uh, you know, it, it's those things right there that just like you as a writer, like you, you want that, you know, like when somebody says to me, like, they're like, if you could write any character in DC or Marvel, like I always think of the most obscure ones, like the smallest ones, because it's like the bigger ones have already been done so much and so over that, like, how are you going to follow in, you know, Tom King's footsteps for Batman, you know, like you're not. Um, but if you could take a minor character and like make it into something amazing, then, uh, you know, that's, that's the true, uh, that's the true gift right there. Too right. And uh, yeah, once again, um, that is going on my reading list as well, Christina. So uh, thanks very much for the recommendation. <laughs> And uh, you a lot of money at the end. (laughs) Honestly, it's been ridiculous. Like I've been doing this for two years, and it's it's getting out of control. (laughs) But uh, my um, my local comic book shop is very happy. Yeah, that's the main thing, right? You come walking in, you're like, "Oh, you must have a podcast." Ah. (laughs) <laughs> what do you want um and uh yeah anyway uh, coming up to our penultimate um question um what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics christine I'll let you go. It, it depends on the friend yeah. um because if if they like you know horror stuff i would i would recommend one thing if if it's like i will recommend saga to a lot of people but one person said that they wouldn't read it because of one word that was used in there. And they were like, nope, won't read it. And I'm like, but it's used in this way. And they're like, nope. I was like, okay, um, we'll find something else. Uh, so it just kind of depends on, on the friend. Um, lock and key is a really good one just because it's so good. Um, why the last man, if, if, you know, if they want something other than superheroes, 
um, superheroes, you know, if they want like a Superman, my favorite Superman is, uh, whatever happened to man of tomorrow, but, um, uh, I would probably say like all-star Superman or mm-hmm. maybe, uh, the, the recent Scott Snyder, you know, court of owls, Batman, if they wanted something like that. But I, I usually go towards the indie ones. Broken Gargoyles is a really good one. Yeah. I would recommend. Yeah. That. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> There's just so many answers, it, and it depends on the person. Because I do this all day. I always. Yeah. I, I was told I need better, I, like more recent movies. But in um, um, Billy Crystal and uh, shoot, now I can't remember the name of the movie where he's the cowboy. Because, oh, um, City Slickers. City slickers. When the the two guys have an ice cream company and they're like, say anything. Yeah, Ben and, and Jerry's, right? Or yeah, no. yeah. Were they Ben and Jerry's or were they the? It was oh, a, man, that's a been ages, but yes, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and so it's just like they say something. He was like, they're like rum raisin, and they're like, how do you know you're right? Um, I always, you know, say, you tell me, you know, tell me what like TV shows and type of books you like, I'll find you a comic that you're going to love. And that's like, I always challenge myself with, with new readers like that all the time. So that's one of the things I do. Nice. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree with uh, Christina where it's, it's, it depends on like the person. Um, but I think like my go-tos would be like um, Alan Moore's the swamp thing. Um, obviously like year one, I feel like is a comic book, but you know, obviously, like you see what uh, Christopher Nolan did with Batman Begins, like basically taking year one and making it a movie um, mm-hmm. and Civil War. Like I loved Civil War, you know, not the not the the whole mega series, but the, the, the one, you know, where it was yeah. Captain America and Iron Man, um, you know, Spider-Man being kind of a pawn between the two of them. Like it's it just had so many amazing moments. Like I'll never forget the moment, like where Spider-Man comes swinging in after he leaves Iron Man and he meets Captain America on the, on the, you know, on the, the building top. Uh, when the Punisher brings Spider-Man in, uh, it's just, it's, it's a comic book, but it's just, it's so heavy. And, uh, and I think like, even if you're not a comic book fan right now, or if somebody that has never read a comic, uh, you could read, you know, I've recommended The Watchmen to people. Uh, and I've had certain people where they're like, yeah, I couldn't get through it. And then I've had other people where they're like, that was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I Swamp Thing, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing oh. was a work of art. And, yeah, um, it's yeah. and then Civil War is like just your... It's your, it's your really powerful, but just good. Like this is, this is comic books, you know, like where you want to tell somebody like, read this, this is comic books in a nutshell. Amazing. Yeah. Lately I've been a, a lot of, um, recommending a lot of people that want a superhero to uh, Chip Zdarsky's, his, uh, Daredevil. Because it's so funny when people are like, oh, Chip's going to write Daredevil. It's going to be all funny. It's it's just has shocked people at how good it is. It's it's amazing. So I've been I've been recommending that a lot lately. One thing I wouldn't recommend is East uh, East of West. No, I love East of West, but that is an acquired taste. 
and it's amazing. But in single issues, because I would forget. It's so dense. It's like it's like doing homework. Oh my god! Yeah, and like when it's you get to so like dense. when you get to like volume three, you do like you need a, like a notebook, <laughs> like yeah, like a notebook. You start start taking notes. Again, but I stopped using single issues because I couldn't remember what happened. I was like, I have to remember all of this, and I'd have to go back and read the previous issue. And I'm like, I read too many books to do this. Well, it's you not know, even so. that you have to remember like what's going on. You have to remember geography. Yes. And like, we're like, <laughs> like who's in power of where? You're like, where are we right now? Yeah. But uh, it's it's a great, it's an amazing series. But um, it's you need to be, you need to be a seasoned uh, comic book vet to read it. I agree. I agree. And speaking of that, uh, moving on to our last question: If you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Alan Moore Swamp Thing. And I, I did say that I would take uh, East of West, but I think I'd I think I'd have to change my mind and I'd have to take like volume one of uh, The Walking Dead. Cool. <laughs> Survivor's Guide to the Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> we could, you, you could probably do the, the first compendium if you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Rather than just the first volume. <laughs> I would I just would I already know what I would, would do in the apocalypse. So I would just want some good reading material. And I, I probably read Swamp Thing more than any other book. Um, so I, I would take that just because I, I love it. It's just, it's just the best. When I first started writing comic books, I had, uh, I don't even like, I, I, I read what the Watchmen and I knew that Alan Moore was, you know, the, uh, the God of comic book writers so I went out and just bought like as much Alan Moore stuff as that I could find. And he had, uh, there was like a, a book of like all of his like one shots. And there was the story, uh, there was the, uh, the Green Lantern story where the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a, he was a Green Lantern killer and he was looking for whatever the Green Lantern's name was. And he's, he's on this planet looking for him. And he couldn't find it. And then, like, as he leaves, like, in defeat of not being able to find and kill this Green Lantern, and he flies away and you see that the planet was actually the Green Lantern. And it was just, like, little things like that was where I was like, all right, Alan Moore's on a different level. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to continue reading his stuff. He's, he's in a completely different level. Yeah. How many times did I reference when we were talking about Broken Gargoyles? Oh, yeah. I'm like, Remember on the page turn when Alan Moore did this and this, and we have to do this. And, and I'm sure you were like, "Can oh, you shut up?" No, no. I, and that's like, <laughs> I love those things because I like, and obviously, like, it keeps the story flowing. And you're like, you know, um, as a reader, you're, you know, when you think of like, you're watching TV and things transition into other scenes. Uh, but in comic books, it's, I love when you have that last sentence that somebody's saying on the next panel, mm-hmm. you know, in a different scene. And it, and it relates to what you're about to see. Yep. It's perfect. <laughs> one, one question I did actually have, Bob, about Broken Gargoyles is that in one of the flashbacks, one of the characters says bloody wankers. And obviously that's, that's quite a British curse word. And yeah. so is, is that character british yes bingo okay yeah. i just want I, I just wanted confirmation <laughs> no yeah so uh will cox is uh will cox yeah. is british. he's he's english 
And um, whenever I write the dialogue for them, I use Google a lot. Um, my ex <laughs> is actually uh, from Newcastle. Uh, oh, right. There you go. So, yeah. So I knew, I do know a lot of the, you know, the, the, the lift the and the blue and, you know, yeah. the, you know, most of that stuff. But, um, you know, I will go on online and I'll, you know, there was, I can't remember. There was one thing that, um, there was one thing that I looked up and it's in the book and I can't remember exactly what it was, buggered. but well, not bugger. It was buggered, okay. but there was, uh, there was something else. I can't remember what it was, but it was, a, it, oh, um, where he's, where the, they find out in, in the first volume where they find, where they, you know, they all find out that cat stowed away. And, uh, and he said, uh, I realized that this throws a spanner in the something. Mm-hmm. In the works. <laughs> yeah. Spanner yeah. in the works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I want him to be authentic and I want people to know like, all right, this guy's, Excellent. this guy's English. And uh, so I always, I'm always trying to think like, all right, you know, like what, <laughs> what would an Englishman say? Like you wouldn't say a wrench, you'd say a spanner. Right. Which exactly. is funny because I yeah. use spanner in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I really. Well, That's I mean, everybody. Amazing. Whenever you do science fiction, I feel like everybody has to have an English. So apparently, in the future, only English people are alive. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. if you ever watch any, any every sci-fi, it's always the English that, that English uh, accent. And it makes sense. Like, like if if uh, if what's it, if if Obi Wan Kenobi had a southern, an American southern accent, like it would be like, whoa, what oh, the yeah. hell is this? But the <laughs> English accent, you're like, of course, of course, an elegant uh, dialogue. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm always happy to consult on uh, kind of colloquial. Uh, English sayings as well, Bob. So you. If, you, if you if you if you want to draft me at all or run something past me, I'm always happy happy to help with that, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd love to see see how much obscure English slang we could actually get get into broken gargoyles. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, uh, unfortunately, we've come on to our last question um, of, of today, and that is what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse? Machete. Yeah, that's um, a good one. I, I, because... I would like to master the bow and arrow, I think. You know, it's, so yeah. it's silent. Um, and you, you can know, make more. Yeah, and you, you, know, you can, can always go get your own. arrow. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I was not a big Walking Dead viewing fan, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I understood the uh, you know the the necessity for being quiet and killing. So mm-hmm. the bow and arrow always seemed like it was the most efficient, where you could get them from afar and you're not yeah. making any noise, and you could go retrieve your arrow. Yes, exactly. Perfect. And for you, Christine, it was a, it was a machete. Yeah, well, just because you, you're not going to run out of bullets, you know, um, the bone arrow would be my 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 second choice, just because uh, you know you you can retrieve your weapons, but it's got to be something that you you have to you you can't get more bullets. You know, you're going to eventually run out of bullets, and you're going to you know, so a machete is something you can just keep sharpening. But it and it, and it's real- multi-use as well, right? Because you can you know cut up stuff. Like oh, yeah. the food and things. Tainted as meat. Well. <laughs> yeah. Clean the thing. <laughs> yeah, make sure you clean it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. TNT probably would be a more fun answer, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no point no. for style. 
Well, um, Bob, Sally, and Christina Blanche, thank you both so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having well, thank us. Thank you. Oh, it's it's been great. Um, and uh, for our listeners, where can they find you online? Um, you know, Facebook. I'm big on Facebook. Uh, I call it my office. If you if you follow mm. me there and message me, I'll usually always get back to you. Um, I like to update. The projects I'm working on uh, there with links on where to buy it and when you can buy it, when it's available, uh, as well as Twitter and uh, Instagram. And you can on any of those, if you just put in Bob Sally, um, you should be able to find me. Amazing. Um, And for you, Christina. Same thing on Facebook. I I do Facebook more. uh, Christina Blanche. And we also have what we do in the comic shop or all your comics, both on there. We're the Muncie location. On Twitter, it's at Christy Blanche. It's the same thing on Instagram, but Facebook was where I do most of everything. Aren't you Dr. Christy Blanche? Oh, I am, but I don't have that in my... Um, it's just Christina Blanche. But Are you sure? I always thought that it was Dr. Christy Blanche. No? No. Oh. No, because when I made it, I, I didn't have my doctor yet. You so. knew you were going to get it. I should have, yeah. <laughs> I should have thinking. I actually was going to change my name to like Doctor Strange or Doctor Who, but then I figured nobody could ever find me because yeah. if you type in Christina, you know who, you know, or Doctor Who, you'd get like nine thousand, you know, Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, all of those links from the show notes, folks, as well. So feel free to click through, check out Christina's work, Bob's work, and make sure that you go check out Broken Gargoyles. Absolutely fantastic series, and I can't wait to uh, to see more and how this nine-issue series ends as well. Um, so once again, thank you both so much. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Real pleasure. And uh, hopefully our paths will, will cross at a Comic-Con one day. That would be hope amazing. So. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's hope so, absolutely. Well, thanks again, guys, um, and take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks again to Bob and Christina for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Bob and Christina's work or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.